Well, are you excited to be here today? Amen. We can do better. Are you excited to be here today? Amen. Very good. I want you to get your Bibles out, get your bulletin out, and get ready to take some notes and uh, follow along in Scripture. And as Dave mentioned, we are in our second week of this series uh, of called Risk. We're in the book of Jonah. And uh, so this idea of risk, and we kind of have this subtitle, Dare to Embrace the Heart of God. And so last week we looked at the first two verses of the book of Jonah. Today we're going to get all the way to verse number three. All right, so Jonah, we're going to be in Jonah 1 in a moment. Uh, If you want to kind of flip over to Luke chapter 18, hold your spot in Jonah. Luke 18, we're going to be there in a moment. But I want to just take a brief minute Uh, to talk about, uh, really just last week we had introduced, really uh, the idea last week was to introduce the heart of God. Um, We we also kind of got a quick glance at the end of the message at the heart of Jonah, but today we're going to take a little deeper look at the heart of Jonah, and the book of Jonah and the life of Jonah is kind of a contrast between what God's heart is and where Jonah's heart is was and so maybe that is also true for you and that's kind of the part of this series that uh, the the feedback I got last week after last Sunday's message um, was good in a sense and bad in a sense because it was uh, hey you you know the 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 old church words were you stepped all over my toes all right so if you're new to church that means like that was right speaking right to me and so the the reality is it spoke to me as well that sometimes when we when we really get a glimpse and an understanding of who God is uh, then we understand that maybe we're not all we thought we were maybe we don't compare maybe it's a con uh, contrast and so we looked if you have your bulletin get it out and I'll go real quickly over this review that we have on there again as we looked at the heart of God we, we we said that God uh, was he longs for people to know his heart. That God longs for people to know his heart. We made the next statement there on your outline. It says God is sovereign. God is merciful. God is just. God is missional. God is sovereign, meaning he sees all things. We made these statements last week. He sees all things. He can demand anything. And he's in control of all things. So he is sovereign. He's merciful. Mercy is God withholding the judgment we deserve. And I would say I'm thankful for the mercy of God, aren't you? Amen. Grace is God's favor on us. And we've made the statement that mercy precedes grace. By God's mercy today, maybe it's by his grace and his mercy that you're here today. What do I mean by that? Because the next statement we talked about was that God is just. And, and what does that mean? That everyone must have his or her sin dealt with. And, and that every sin must be punishment. And Scripture teaches us that the punishment for sin is its death. Eternal separation from God, your Creator. Well, how can that be merciful then? Because the truth is, God's mercy is that he brought you here today so that you could hear the message that you need his grace. That's his mercy. The mercy he was extending to Nineveh was that he was sending a messenger, a prophet of God, Jonah, and giving them an opportunity to repent of their sins and to receive his grace. So his his mercy preceded his grace. 
And so today in your life, maybe the mercy of God is that you're here for the first time to understand that Jesus loves you. That he gave his son to die on a cross for your sins. You see, because God is just, he has to punish sins. And we have stated, and scripture states, the punishment of sin is death. But, the rest of that verse says, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So mercy for you today is to hear God loves you, and that he sent his son Jesus to pay the penalty of your sin debt. And he extends his grace to you. That's the mercy of God. That because he is just, he sends us a warning that he wants to extend grace. So we made these two statements last week, and, and uh, these statements were by Josh Smith. As I told you last week, uh, this series really comes from Josh Smith. I listened to a series back in 2012, uh, I, and I just was like, this is speaking into my life, and so that's why I'm speaking it to you. And we made this statement. Josh Smith, this is the quote, The more I look at Jonah, the easier it is for me to justify him and not to condemn him. The more I look at Jonah, the easier it is for me to justify him and not to condemn him. What, what does that mean? And we made the following statement that I think brings a little more light to this. The more I look at the book of Jonah, the more I see myself. And see, we have a tendency when we see fault in ourselves, not to condemn ourselves, but to do what? Justify ourselves. And so... That kind of shines a little light on the more I look at the book of Jonah and the life of Jonah, I really want to justify him instead of condemn him because the reality is I'm probably more like Jonah than I am like God. And the reality this morning is the truth is you probably are a lot more like Jonah than you are like God. So are we going to risk and dare to embrace the heart of God? God is sovereign. God is just, God is also merciful and gracious. And the last one we looked at last week was that God is missional, that God is on mission, that God is pursuing you. Last night I had an opportunity um, to, uh, to video chat with, with some missionaries in Southeast Asia. And uh, we record these messages, so I'm not going to use their name, but you, most of you know who that is. If you want to know, you can talk to me. So I spent like an hour on the phone uh, last night with them, uh, and so this pause here is me debating on whether I should tell you how the conversation started or not. Um, my wife says no, so I guess I won't. You can ask them or you can ask me privately. So we have this hour-long conversation or just talking about what God is doing in their life and how God is using uh, what they are doing. And, and so they told me we had some exciting news. This past week, this past week and a half, I guess it was, they had two people come to know Jesus Christ. It's like, how awesome is that? How awesome is that? Since 2013, one of these men they've been praying for, for 2013. His wife had become a believer several years ago. They've been praying for this man this man is a part of one of the other people groups that they are targeting, and they're uh, in the process of hiring him now because he's a believer, and he will be working for them, and then they will send him out into his own people group to share what he now knows. Isn't that exciting? 
It's exciting to be a part of that. But that's the heart of God. That's the heart of God is to be on mission and to tell people he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In Luke chapter 18, as I ask you to turn there already, Luke chapter 18, kind of the message title this morning is a surprising revelation of Jonah's heart. And the surprising revelation of Jonah's heart. And so we're going to talk about that, all right? So uh, Luke 18, verse 9. Also, he spoke this parable to some. This is Jesus that he's referring here. So Jesus spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and that they despised others. Two men went to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even as this tax collector. So this religious man is in the temple to pray, and he's praying, God, I am so thankful that I am so good. And God, you must be so lucky to have me on your team. Isn't that what he's saying? And then he kind of lists his accomplishments, verse 12. I fast twice a week. Anybody fast? I'm not going to ask that. I give tithes of all that I possess. Because maybe God had forgotten. He was reminding God, right? Verse 13. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven. But he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. What a contrast. The religious man, who on the outside looked right, like he was supposed to. And he did all the Christian activities, right? He, he fasted and he tithed and he's obviously praying so that everyone could see how great he is. And then the contrast of this tax collector who is a thief, a sinner. And what is he? He, he can't even, in, in his humility, he can't even look to God. Be merciful to me, a sinner. So the surprise in this story is what Jesus, how Jesus would respond in verse 12, or excuse me, verse 14. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. He who humbles himself will be exalted. The surprise in the story was Jesus, like the, the one who looked righteous on the outside, wasn't. The one who looked like he walked with God by his actions, in fact, didn't. Who walked away justified? The one no one expected. So why are we thinking about Jonah and this idea of the surprising revelation of the heart of Jonah? What, what, what does that mean? How many of you like to be surprised? Anybody like to be surprised? How many of you do not want to be surprised? Okay. I love surprising people, mainly scaring people, okay? That's what I, lo I love doing. My, my grandmother, we, we had a conversation this week, and uh, it was just kind of, I don't even know how we got on this conversation with, with the staff. We were just, 
you know, taking this mental break. And we started, I don't know how we got on the conversation. They were talking about, uh, I, I just thought in my head, when I went to college several years ago, um, I don't remember ever really communicating with my parents once I left. And the truth is, the communication really wasn't that easy. Like, and, and what brought this thought on was that uh, my son's phone is broke, and he's at college, but he now uses his iPad to FaceTime me. And so anytime, anytime he wants, for the most part, he can connect with me. He doesn't do it as often as I wish, but you know, I thought, man, we, I drove 11 hours from school. There was no communication. And, and Joy, she was like, well, ours was every Sunday night. I would, in my room, get the phone off the wall, crank it. No, get the phone off the wall <laughs> and, and use, you know, the calling card. And it completely blew the younger people staff on our mind. In fact, the the, the question, you didn't have a cell phone? They weren't invented. Ethan even said, have you used one of those rotary phones? Yeah. You, have you, did you guys actually use a pay phone? Yes, we did. I wanted to punch him when the conversation was over. I'll be honest with you. They, like their mind was completely blown. There was no internet. Can you guys imagine a world without internet? Like, again, I think I said this a few weeks, that's how I learned to write so neat, because you had to write, you know, you didn't have your phone in class to cheat with, all right? You had to actually prepare to cheat, right? <laughs> the good old days. My... So technology is a great thing. My, my, my grandmother got an amazing surprise. So she went in, this is uh, to have her first, or no, have her child. And she has a girl. Everybody leaves the room. About 30 minutes later, she feels like, I'm having another child. And guess what? She had another child, and didn't, nobody knew she was having twins until 30 minutes after the first one was born, right? Can you imagine that? Surprise! Like, I don't want that surprise, right? Look on your outline, though. So, what's the surprise about Jonah? Because if you know the story of Jonah, like, it's not a surprise. He ran from God, right? He ran from God, and most people know the story because you heard about it in Sunday school. Number one, Jonah, the faithful prophet. So, what does that mean? Jonah, the faithful prophet. Turn to 2 Kings with me. Turn to 2 Kings and we'll see what we're talking about. So the author, as he writes the book of Jonah, says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying. Right, so there's not much introduction on who Jonah is. And why is that? Why is there not much introduction when this book is about Jonah? It's the assumption of the author that the reader, the original reader, is going to know, oh, Jonah. Well, this is what they would think, oh, Jonah, the faithful prophet. And why would they think that? 2 Kings 14. 
In the context of this, in the story of Jonah, this is about 150 years removed from, for lack of better terms, the good old days of the nation of Israel. Before the nation of Israel was divided into two kingdoms. Back in the heyday, right, when, when Solomon and there was peace and, and wealth and prosperity and the Israelites were living their end of the covenant relationship with God. And, and so 150 years from, removed from that, as the nation of Israel is not really living up to the covenant relationship with God, they're doing their own thing. And so for the last 150 years, they've, because of their sin, and because of them running from God, and because of them doing what they wanted to do, they've lived in a lot of judgment of God, and a lot of oppression from other people. So in the life of Jonah, in the 150 years removed from the, the good old days, this is where he is now a prophet of God. When no king over the kingdom he was now a prophet of, since the, divide, the dividing of the kingdom, had ever followed God. And he's a prophet of God to the nation of Israel, the northern kingdom, who's not following God. But if he's a prophet of God, then we can kind of, can't we just understand that a prophet of God is going to obey the voice of God? Okay, so the prophet of God, just to kind of briefly understand this, the prophet of God would get a word from God, and then the prophet of God would relay that message to whoever God wanted him to relay the message to. So it was just an understanding, if you're a prophet of God, you're going to be faithful, you're going to obey, you're going to do what God has said. So let's look in 2 Kings 14, verse 23. In the 15th year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, all right? So there's the kingdom of Judah, the two tribes, the split, the divided kingdom. Then it says, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, became king of Samaria and reigned 41 years. Look what verse 24 says. He did evil on the sight of the Lord, and he did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel sin. He restored the territory of Israel from the entrance of Hamath to the Sea of Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, God of Israel. And look what it says here. So, just a little context here. Israel is gaining a little bit of control back from Assyrians, a little bit. Re God is, is going to start blessing the nation of Israel. But what did we read here in, in verse number 24? And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. So in spite of the sin of the nation of Israel and the king of the nation of Israel, God is going to bless them. And how is God going to let the nation of Israel know that he's going to bless them? Well, he told Jonah. Verse 25, where we had left. It says, The Lord God of Israel, which he had spoken through his servant, Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Gath, Hefer. So do you, do you understand what we've read here? God has told the king, I'm going to bless you in spite of your sin. I'm going to help you begin to rebuild. I'm going to give you some protection from the Assyrians in spite of your sin. And how does he let the king know this? Through the prophet Jonah. Jonah, the faithful prophet. 
So, in the context of our reading this morning, if you go back to Jonah chapter 1, again, Jonah had been a faithful prophet of God. God had spoken truth to him. Jonah had relayed the messenger. The prophet, for simple terms, was a messenger of God. He had given the message of God to the people of God. But here, Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness is to come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and he went down into it to go with him, go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So Jonah goes from faithful prophet to number two, Jonah the rebellious prophet. Jonah the rebellious prophet. Now, this goes against everything that Jonah is. Jonah is the prophet of God. Prophets do what? Obey the voice of God. If God tells them to do something, they do it. But he doesn't. Why do you think that was? Well, we looked at it last week. Look look at Jonah chapter 4. Look at Jonah chapter 4. Jonah tells us why he left. Jonah tells us why he went in the opposite direction. Verse number 2 of Jonah chapter 4. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Jonah ran because he knew that God was merciful. He knew that God would forgive if they repented. He knew the message that God said, tell the Ninevites to repent, turn to me, and I will give them forgiveness. And Jonah knew that. How did Jonah know that? Because Jonah had experienced it. He experienced it with his own country, with the nation of Israel, as we just read about. Even though they were not living like God wanted them to live, God still blessed them. God still offered them forgiveness. God still offered them mercy. Did Jonah receive the mercy of God? Yes. Do you think Jonah enjoyed the mercy of God? Of course. But he didn't want to share it, did he? Do do you see the wickedness of his heart? There's, There's three points there on your outline. Jonah runs from God's call. Okay, he went in the opposite direction. He was supposed to go east, and he goes west. Most scholars would say he went where he was headed was the farthest place west to the known world. He wasn't, he was, have you ever tried to run from God's call in your life? The next statement says Jonah runs from God's voice. He was trying to get as far away from God as he could. 
The third one, Jonah runs from God's presence. Twice in this verse that we've already read, in, in verse 3 of Jonah chapter 1, look, look at it again, Jonah 1 verse 3. So he runs from the call, the voice, and the presence of God. Twice, it's mentioned in verse number 3. It's interesting, verse number 2, God comes to Jonah and says, arise and go, Right? Verse number three, what's the first thing Jonah does? Arise and go. The wrong direction, Jonah. Look what it says, verse three. Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish. From what? presence of the Lord. Twice it says that. Twice in one verse, the reader is reminded, Jonah, the faithful prophet of God, flees the presence of the Lord. Now, now Jonah knows that God is sovereign. The reality is, can Jonah flee from the presence of God? He can't. Listen to these statements. He would rather drown than preach deliverance. He would rather run than respond. He'd rather flee than be faithful. Does, does this paint a pretty picture of the heart of Jonah? It doesn't, does it? There's three things there on your outline that kind of paint this picture or kind of describe the heart of Jonah. We, we looked very detailed last week at the heart of God, and, and today as we look at the heart of Jonah, what do we see? The statement there says, unwilling to extend God's mercy. What's the blank there? Self-righteous. Self-righteous. When Jesus walked the earth, he spoke a lot to the Pharisees, didn't he? In fact, what we just read in Luke 18 to start out this morning, talking to the Pharisees, talks about a Pharisee, the one that seemingly had everything together. But the truth is he was self-righteous, unwilling to extend God's mercy. Do you think that because Jesus spent so much time talking about it, do you think that because that's what we see in the heart of Jonah, that maybe we would be prone to be the same way? Like to come in on Sunday morning and everything seems great. It's easy to raise your hand in worship. It's not so easy for some of you to clap on beat, I noticed today, but it's easy. Isn't it? Is it possible that you this morning are self-righteous? It, it is for me. The next one says, unwilling to embrace 
God's heart. And this word I don't like because it, I think it defines me stubborn. I would ask you to raise your hand if you're stubborn, but you're stubborn, you probably wouldn't raise your hand, so. <laughs> strong-willed child, anybody have a strong-willed child? It's the polite way to say stubborn, whatever. I was pretty stubborn. I'm not even sure if I should say was. Right, just look on the screen there. The definition there that we've given to this word, talking about Jonah. Unwilling to embrace God's heart. Here's the hard part, though. If you're stubborn, who's the last person to realize they're stubborn? The one being stubborn, right? Have you ever walked down a path and just kept going down the path and there was all these signs saying just shut up, turn around? Am I the only one? How many of you, you know what I'm talking about? I've been so wrong and known I was so wrong but just continue to argue the point. Can I get an Amen. So if, if, if just kind of the reality of being stubborn is that maybe you're the last one to acknowledge that, then is it possible this morning that you've been unwilling to embrace the heart of God and just not aware of it? Self-righteous Stubborn. The next one says unwilling to share God's blessing. Selfish. We're selfish. Think, think about this. Jonah, the faithful prophet of God. Now Jonah, the rebellious prophet. Why? Because he's self-righteous, stubborn, and selfish. Now, let's think about what we said. The more I look at the book of Jonah or the life of Jonah, the more I want to justify him than I do condemn him. Why do you suppose that is? I want you to listen. Last week after service, I went home, and, and uh, I got a text message with a video attached to it. So I want you to watch that video. Think about your own life. I want to talk to you about this. Uh, I get home from the show, and at the end of the show, as I've mentioned before, we go out and we, uh, we talk to folks and you know, sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the, um, what I call the hover position after I was all done, big guy, probably about my age. Big guy, and um, he had been the um, the guy who has uh, picks the joke during our psychic comedian section of the show. Uh, so we had the props from that in his hand because we give those away. He had the, you know, the joke book and the and the 
envelope and the paper and stuff. If you haven't seen the live show, that's uh, not worth explaining. But he had props from the show that we'd given him from the night before. Uh, he wasn't the guy that night. And he walked over to me and he said, um, I was here last night at the show and uh, uh, I saw the show and I liked it. I wanted, and he was very complimentary about my use of language and um, complimentary about, you know, honesty and stuff. He said nice stuff. No reason to go into it. He said nice stuff. And then he said, I brought this for you. And he handed me a uh, Gideon pocket edition. Um, I thought it said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? Or, uh, Psalms from the New, just part of the New Testament. Little book about this big, this thick, you know. He said, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of uh, proselytizing. And then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm sane. I'm not crazy. And he looked me right in the eye and did all of this. And uh, it was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. But he was not uh, defensive, and he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me and then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. What a statement. How much do you have to hate someone? So back up. He said, if you truly believe that eternal life is possible, how much do you have to hate someone in order not to tell them? Look on your outline. The last statement there, quote from Josh Smith. Every command of God is revealing to us his heart. How I respond to that command reveals mine. God is missional. Jonah was not. You know why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh? Because Nineveh was the enemy. 
Nineveh was basically the headquarters of the Assyrian army. The Assyrians who wanted to annihilate and who had been oppressing the nation of Israel. He didn't think they deserved God's mercy and God's grace. And I wonder in our heart if we're a lot like Jonah. The last question there on your outline says, this is time for you to evaluate. What is your heart like? We know the heart of God. We now know the heart of Jonah. What about you? Dare to embrace the heart of God. Would you close your eyes for a moment this morning? Maybe this morning as, maybe this is your first time here. We're just going to take a moment just kind of in in prayer and and reflection and and thinking. We're going to sing another song of worship in a moment, moment, but just in this quietness this this morning. I just want to ask a few questions, give you a time to respond. Maybe this morning God has revealed to you, as I mentioned earlier, that you've never received God's grace and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. God's mercy to you is that today you're here to hear this. That you're here this morning to hear God loves you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for your sins to pay the penalty of your sin debt. And in order to receive the gift of eternal life, you simply surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through him. He's the way, the truth, and the life. It's you placing your faith that Jesus is who he said he was, and that he will forgive you of your sins. So I would ask this morning as your eyes are closed, would anyone say, John, God revealed to me today that I need to do that. I need to receive the grace of God in my life. I need to place my faith in Jesus for myself today. If that's you this morning, I just want to pray for you. Would you put your hand up for a moment? If that's you this morning, John, God has revealed to me today that I need to give my life to him. Thank you. Thank you. There's two. Anyone else? Just leave your hand up for a moment. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Leave it up for a moment. I'm just kind of looking across the auditorium. The the truth is, it's not so important that I see you because God already knows. But here's what I want you to do this morning if you raise your hand. Right where you're at, right now, in this moment, God says in Romans 6, 13, Romans 10, 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I want right where you're at this morning, I want you in your own words, you talk to God and you say to God, 
I'm surrendering my life to Jesus. I'm placing my faith for my life and for my eternity in the hands of Jesus. Right now, right where you're at, the rest of us this morning, how many would say this morning, you know, John, last week, this week, God is, is revealing to me that maybe a little bit of Jonah's heart is in me. Would you lift your hand up this morning so I could pray? Just put your hand up. A lot of us, my hand included. You can put your hands down. I, I want to challenge you that have just raised your hand this morning. In a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing a, a song of worship. And I want to encourage you to come forward this morning and pray about it. Maybe it's to confess, God, I have a heart like Jonah, and God, I want to have a heart like yours. I want to embrace the heart of God. One more question this morning. For those of you that raised your hand that you had not given your life to Christ, I just want to ask real quickly, if you took the opportunity in the, next, the last minute or so, best you knew how, you just surrendered your life to God. You placed your faith in Jesus. Would you put your hand up for a moment? Thank you. Two of you right there, thank you. Anyone else, just put your hand up this morning. Anyone else this morning, just put your hand up. For those two of you, and, and maybe there's others I didn't see, can I challenge you this morning? In a moment, we are going to stand. Some are going to come forward and pray. There'll be some that are going to be standing here, and they're going to be facing you. And I would challenge you, when we stand up, to come forward and shake the hand of one of these men or women that are facing you and ask them to pray with you. God, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the fact that, Lord, you are missional. Lord, I think of the conversation last night for this family that's halfway across the world on mission for you. Lord, help us to go across the street to be on mission with you. Help us to embrace the heart of Jonah. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. Would you stand with me this morning? And just let's worship the Lord. If the Lord's talking to you, I'd encourage you to come forward. Dave, as we worship.